Somebody's always breaking the universe. Yeah, I know. Y'all talk about magic users. Let's talk about you powerful girls. <laughs> okay. Sometimes, sometimes, let's 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 you know, let's talk about the real menace to society out here. Sometimes we could be a little willy nilly with the powers, yes. And but, the science girls, you're always doing something, getting into a quantum field or like something. It's all an experiment. Farm. We're figuring it out. Okay. We're figuring out what we, what we get there. And I feel like that's kind of what I've been feeling with the whole time, really. Welcome back to another episode of Another Relaunch. I am your host, Tanya Spears, Miss Power Girl. Oh, okay, okay. Lost in the void. Um, I am Peggy Carter, a.k.a. Captain Carter. With the Ooh, yeah. okay. You can do this all day. Yeah, but not that version. Well, yeah, it's on a good place. <laughs> and, you know, I think Tanya, didn't they try to make her a little homophobic or something? I think that needs. (laughs) (laughs) That's true to life for you. That makes sense. (laughs) T. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, I got a haircut, so I feel fresh and new and human and like alive, and so that's always feeling good and great. But that's Ellen and my mom's birthday passed. Happy birthday again, mom! So we had a good time with her, and that's really been it. That's been my week. How are you? great. I've been good. You know, um, one of my best friends is like moving back to Chicago and that's really sad, but I'm excited to mm-hmm. see like them like go into like their next kind of journey. I feel like they kind of got everything they needed out of LA and now it's like they're going mm-hmm. on to the next thing. Would you um, ever to Chicago? Absolutely not. No. It gets too cold. I, I wouldn't be able to do it. No, I'm not doing that ever again. <laughs> I refuse. I'm not buying another coat. No. <laughs> right. Well, I don't know. The way the earth is going, you might have to buy one soon. Yeah. I'm trying to just leave this bitch. Like, can we just go to space? Mm, I don't know. That's scary. I don't know I what's out there. Rocco. <laughs> I don't think you want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. It's getting blown up, I think. Probably. Yeah, so probably I shouldn't want to go there. That's the place you want to be. <laughs> No, no, not at all. Okay, let's go ahead and get into these updates of the week. Um, these were kind of interesting because of, you know, everything going on with the MCU and some movie stuff coming out. Um, it seems as though this interview was, uh, you know, kind of a check-in with people to tell people to calm down. But uh, Kevin Feige recently gave kind of an MCU update, revealed that Spider-Man 4 with Tom Holland has already been, like, written, and they are going to be moving forward with that. Uh, Deadpool 3 will be rated R, so people can calm down. We know that it's going to be rated R. They've said it multiple times now. It will be a rated R, I think the first rated R movie in the MCU. And Blade begins filming in about 10 weeks. I know that there were some, like, issues with that. You know, things had to find new directors. I'll believe it when I see some set pictures. We'll see. Allegedly, you know, he said that it's going to be beginning in 10 weeks, so hopefully it gets off the ground and they everybody likes the script <laughs> and they can kind of move forward. Um, and Kevin also did say that they are going to kind of slow down on their releases, and uh, we already saw that some things were already pushed back. The Marvels was supposed to be coming out, I think, in July, but now it's November 10th, so um, it looks like they are trying to slow everything down. Now, how do you feel about that? About the Marvels being pushed back or the slowdown in general? Keep the shade. We're going to talk about the slowdown. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I just wanted to be clear. Um, I don't know. I get it. I kind of I kind of think it's a good idea. I'm not going to lie to you, and I know we're going to talk about this movie later on today, but I feel like I was not as excited for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania as I like normally was. I've said it before, I really like the Ant-Man movies. I think it's been a really nice trilogy. Uh, well, the first two movies I enjoyed. But 
I don't know. I just felt like I'm not in a rush to see this. And I was like, am I finally feeling like a little marble fatigued? Am I just a little burnt out? Do I need that space? And I've been like, again, I think we've been talking about phase four a lot. A lot of it was not that good. And I feel like this, and then, I don't know. I just feel like you got to distance yourself a little bit. So I, I'm cool with it. I don't mind that. Make me anticipate yeah. some things again. I think taking the time was going to help a lot. They can kind of tweak some things, fix some things. Looking back at this space for, you know, it wasn't all good. I also think that things could have probably been done and like released better. We know the pandemic kind of shifted a lot of stuff around, but mm-hmm. like, why wasn't Ms. Marvel like coming out with the Marvels? Or, mm-hmm. you know, instead of as soon as it was done, they put it up on Disney Plus because they're trying to yeah. gain subscribers. Yeah, I don't know. It's again, I, like you said, I do think the pandemic shifted some things. So they decided to try something new. I feel like it didn't really work out in the best way. Take the time again, make some good products, put it out like you did for the first 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it also looks like, you know, Zendaya said, Tom, you got to go work. <laughs> and she should. You know, go ahead and put that suit back on because we need another thing. Yeah, I, I, like I think Tom Holland is a good Peter Parker, and I think he's still got a lot of stuff that, that could be done with him. So I'm interested to see it. I, I, you know, go to college, get old. I think everybody likes a little older Peter. This is controversial. Do you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't hang out on that side of the... <laughs> Spider-Man's age is very controversial right now. All I of the fans want him to grow up, yeah. but... Marvel refuses to like let him grow up. They refuse to let him do a lot of things. It seems like they do. Depends <laughs> on like why don't they let him do anything? <laughs> I kind of get it. That's why people were making that meme about Marvel being pissed off at this next Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse movie because Peter got a kid, and they were like, "Whoa, <laughs> we don't do that over here." <laughs> none of that. None of that. Well. That's the beauty of like animation and these adaptations. <laughs> this one can. <laughs> Hopefully, the comics could follow suit. Again, I did like Tom Holland as Spider Man. I thought he was probably the best one, in my opinion. And um, I enjoyed his movies, his MCU movies, especially his appearances with the other Avengers. Um, so it'll be interesting to see him like now being an older. We've already done it all the high school stuff, we got that out of the way, now he's in college, and hopefully, they probably would have him, like, probably not even in college anymore, right? Maybe he'll be, like, a little older and be done with that. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. I know Tom Holland has been trying to, like, age himself up or his image up in Hollywood, so he's trying to be a little bit older, so we'll see. He might go try and go for that. Yeah. I wonder if they're going to bring Zendaya back as MJ or focus on any of his other love interests. Like Felicia? Felicia. Uh, that's all I got. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> he, uh, I think he did it. I think he did it. Betty Brand. Liz. That's all Felicia, I got. You know the movie? I can give you she's Felicia. She's got, got a bunch of girls. Oh, and the girl who uh, who died. Oh, yeah. Gwen Stacy. Yeah. Who would have ever thought that she would, like, have this big of a popularity as... She's that girl. Gwen. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> Gwenpool, all her variants. Gwen Stacy is like a moneymaker. Shout out yeah. to her. She said, <laughs> That ain't gonna stop me. <laughs> he said, I just came back from the dead. You are that girl. Period. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, y'all. Well, that is all of the updates we had for this week. Let's go ahead and take a break and then we'll come right back. Cool. Black History Month. I don't want to talk about her badly. You need to be real about it and say the real thing. <laughs> That's what we're here for. But hello, everyone. <laughs> Welcome back to the comics section. Now, we had some books this week, some good, some mid, some decent. Um, I actually had kind of a small pull, which was like okay for me because it uh, forced me to go back and read some other stuff. 
I picked up Batman Inc. number five, and then I went back and read the first four issues. It's a really good book. It's got a lot of good Ghostmaker content in it. Of course, that's why I picked it up. But like outside of that, the Batman Incorporated members, they're like kind of fun. The art's really kinetic, really cool issue. Recommend checking that out if you haven't. Avengers 14 came out. That continues the big multiversal epic. Great art in this one. There was like this big, you should be reading this book. I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> like, okay. I don't know. I don't know why you are fighting it so hard. And I know the people love to trash Aaron's Avengers online, but it is just a huge superhero epic. And this issue was like big multiverse stuff. It's got like hundreds of versions of Captain Marvel, hundreds versions of Captain Carter, hundreds of Thors, all of these things. And they're fighting this big master of evil, Dr. Doom. And he is like tearing through them. He is like tearing through them. It is amazing to watch. It's just, it's just really cool to see. Really good book. Um, Lazarus Planet Dark Fate number one came out. That introduced one new character that DC is about to start pushing um, for Asian American Pacific Heritage Month. Uh, Xanthi, I believe her name is. She's got like a big mystical sword. New trans icon hero that's coming out. Check that out. And Nightcrawlers number one came out from the X line. Sins of Sinners is continuing. I know a lot of people like Mother Righteous. She's supposed to be like the doll. I don't know. Yeah, I don't get down over there. <laughs> <clears throat> that came out, so people should check that out. Um, we're going to get to some of the main books of the week. The first one is Photon number three, and that comes from Eve Ewing. And I, I'm sorry, I forgot who the artist is, so you have to remind us. I'm not going to lie to you. I ain't picked this up. I kind of tapped out with the mind. And I'm, I'm going to keep it real, because I know this is a safe space, so I just want to say this for everyone right now. I have done a little bit of soul searching. I don't think I like Monica. Whoa. And, th and first of all, everybody talks about Bishop because he's a cop, quote unquote, he's a detective. Monica's a cop. She went to the police academy. Okay? She did. I just kind of like, I appreciate Monica. I think she's dope. Power wise, who doesn't love a powerful black woman doing what she do? But I just kind of started thinking about a lot of her and her character. And I'm just like, I don't know. She got born to me. So I was like, hey, she blew up with Doom Marvel. Yo. So he's not even going to show up? I'm definitely not reading this one. She's fine. But shout out I, to her. Um, Tell us what happened. I know you're, that's your girl. Okay, so <laughs> um, first of all, <laughs> the, the artist for this was Ivan uh, Fiorelli and Luca Maresca. Um, so I just wanted to shout them out. And the colors was by, were by uh, Carlos Lopez. Now, this issue is opens up again, last issue where she like went to see uh, Voodoo and he was like, oh, I'm your husband. He invites all the Avengers in and they're having beignets, the Beyonder is there. Um, Photon is like, this isn't making any sense. And they're like, oh, you know, you should calm down. She's like, I'm gonna go see my parents. And they're like, what are you talking about? Your, your mom's dead. She's like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Like. I know I just talked to my mom, then her mom like calls her. She was still on the phone with them. Um, but it ends up being like her mom from like their universe. Um, so she ends up like having these issues. She feels like she's like jumping between universes or something. She goes to Doctor Strange, but of course in this universe, Wong is the um, Sorcerer Supreme. So she asks him like, you know, can you help me with this? Like. What's going on? Um, he says, you know, it must have been something with that Halastar from the first issue. And this is where I start to feel like maybe this is because it's maybe not planned to be like longer than five issues. Um, because I think this is again, you know, where they'll give away a book, five issues, say that, but it, it could potentially get, you know, more if the sales are there. But like this speeds through a lot of stuff in this where I'm like, whoa. What what's happening here? Because after she gets this hollow star, she looks up in the sky and it's like, oh my gosh, the like the universe that's universes are like breaking down or something. And then she uses her powers and so it's like, you know, I can see light. And that is including all the light of like all of the planets and stuff colliding into each other and the light that comes off of that. Like I can see all of that. She sees this like specific road that is leading her to this place where all these like aliens were and they are having issues they're all dying turns out they have like cancer or something she uses x-rays which i thought was kind of cool and she was able to see 
what the issues were. And then from there, she was able to actually give them all like low level radiation chemo and they like all were healed. I thought that was really cool. Um, but they were the ones who like had the original Holostar. And I guess that is something, I don't think this has ever been used before in Marvel, but this is some like fragment of some other universe or something. And that's how it's now back in, in Photon's possession. It's like causing some havoc, making her probably bounce back between universes. She comes back to Wong, ends up running into um, Moonstone, and I forget who the other girl who was with her, but they like come and stop her and Photon's ready to fight, but then they're like, no, calm down, like you broke the universe. And then that's how the issue ends. Monica broke, somebody's always breaking the universe. Yeah, I'm I know. Talk, y'all talk about magic users. Let's talk about you powerful girls. <laughs> okay. Sometimes, let's, sometimes, let's, let's, you know, let's talk about the real menace to society out here. Sometimes we can be a little willy-nilly with the powers, yes. I mean, but... the science girls, you're always doing something, getting into a quantum field or like something. It's all an experiment. Farm. We're figuring it out. Okay, when we get there. Mm. And I feel like that's kind of what I've been feeling with Photon, really. (laughs) We're trying to figure it out when we get there. Um, Photon, for me, has always been a character I've liked. Like, I've always thought she was really cool. Um, But personality-wise, she doesn't really click with me. I kind of think she is a little bit boring. But I was hoping that with this solo, that we would kind of get into more of her character. And I love her personality. She feels very, like, familiar to me. Um, but as far as, like, a story to give her, I don't know if I'm really feeling this one. Because, again, because her powers are, like, her turning into light and all these other different forms of energy, um, it's probably difficult to give her things to battle. But I think that there are other, I don't know, other ways for us to explore Monica than just bouncing through universes. Mm. I don't know. She's pretty powerful. You know how I feel about them super powerful. She is. She is. But I think I'd rather give her. But she's super powerful. But her one of her original villains was Blackout. He controls mm. the uh, dark the dark force. Mm. Her powers don't work in there. So okay. So you want to see some of that come back? I want to see some of that. I don't okay. really care about her like bouncing through these universes and her. Well, you I don't know. Really care for that. The MCU is all about the multiverse right now, so... That's kind of what it's given. Everybody like, got to take a turn. Sorry. It, it has her busting through the multiverse, and it probably is connected to the MCU, but... That's a shame. Everybody but, gets an MCU mini. <laughs> what would you... So, like, overall, what would you rate the issue? Like, how are you feeling? Do you think you're going to continue on to the end? Like... Do you see something know. else, Monica, after that? I want to support Monica because I want to support yeah, her. That's fair. But at the same time, I'm not that interested in the story. Mm, I will admit. That's also fair. I will admit I'm not that interested in the story. Um, I may continue because it's only five issues. Like, I'll just write it out and see how it ends and see if maybe it can go to something else. But, and it could be my own bias speaking. I would just rather see her do more superhero stuff than just bouncing through the multiverse. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I think it's fair. As a, as a or even if we go back and possible do her, you said she was a cop. Yes. She could go be a detective or something. Maybe that might be more interesting, but this is not. Okay. okay. I would give the issue, though, like a three out of five. That's not bad. Still. Her power so cool. Okay, well... We'll see what holds Check next out, <laughs> The next book on our... Oh, gosh, these people. The Fantastic Four, number four. Oh. Go ahead. Let us know yes, what's going yes. on over there. Yes, the people. Um, okay, so this was the fourth issue, and we see a lot of the actions kind of come together. We've been seeing that the Fantastic Four did something in New York, um, and they got blamed for it all. The, all the assets and stuff were frozen. Then everybody went their separate ways. You know, they break everybody up. But this was the team kind of coming back together. We see what happened, and it turns out Annihilus was attacking New York. Um, Annihilus is, if, you, if you've been reading the X-Men, I think in the original, the first couple issues, they fought that Annihilation wave. This most recent run with Krakoa, that was a part of Annihilation. Um, the entire, like, event Annihilation <laughs> was about Annihilus 
coming through and like he's got these big bug creatures, you know, I love a horde and a, and a, a swarm for the enemies, I mean, for the heroes to fight. So we see the Fantastic Four doing a bunch of that. We see them damn kids that are still there. They're just like up in a building watching. And um, while the Fantastic Four are out there, like, you know, fighting all of Annihilus, then it fast forward to the present and we see that Sue and Reed and Johnny have found the thing and Alicia where they've been like wrapped in this cocoon. It looks like it's a part of thing. Like it looks like it's made of his rock exterior. Um, but they found out that that's him. They're going to try to get inside and rescue them. The Fantastic Four, we see back in the past, it turns out like this annihilation wave was too much for them to take. But Reed was like, do you guys trust me? They said, yes. <laughs> he said, okay, cool. So he used this machine that like turned everything that we've seen so far with this big explosion into like a year in the future. Basically, he sent everyone, he sent the annihilation wave back into the negative zone. And he sent the, this entire block like a year into the future, but they'll come back in, in a year's time. Um, and it's in that same spot and they won't even know, but they're going to be gone like for a year. Um, it turns out like in that building also were the kids. So, you know, Franklin and his sister, as well as uh, things adopted kids, which they were not very happy about learning that they sent this kid, like, they're freshly adopted kids, like, into the future, um, or at least for this past year. The Fantastic Four end up rescuing Thing and Alicia from this, like, big cocoon. They get them all out. They have this really kind of heartfelt moment where he is, where Reed is telling, you know, I apologize for this, but like everything is gonna be fine. We just have like a year that we have to wait for them to all kind of come back. Um, he has his like breakdown <laughs> moment. That, I'm sorry, that is an insane thing to tell somebody. <laughs> like, <laughs> what do you want him to do? <laughs> That's the, crazy. The violation where we're gonna kill everybody. So. Go ahead, continue. Boom. Uh, but. That is kind of the end of the issue. We see them all kind of coming back together. They saved the thing from this like weird cocoon thing that he was in. And now they are kind of going to try to be the Fantastic Four while everyone else is like kind of lost in the void. Okay. They're not really lost in the void. They say they won't even remember. They're just going to be gone for a year. Well, how do you feel about the issue? I loved it. It was very, very well written. Um, I really liked the way that all of, like, the kind of real traumas that would happen from what Reed did was broken down in this. We see people talk about, like, these are kids who are going to, there are other people in these buildings and stuff. Like, this big explosion was the entire, like, block where the Baxter building was. It wasn't just their building. Um, and then there's, like, these moments where we see people say, you know, kids are going to be without their parents for like a year or, you know, um, all these different responsibilities. They were like, people come back for a year and like, they still have bills and stuff they have to pay or like any of that kind of stuff, like life continues, they have to readjust. So I think it's going to be interesting and emotional for this team. I really enjoyed this issue. Um, the Fantastic Four are really cool when they were out there, like fighting all of the annihilation creatures. Um, as well as their really heartfelt moment when they got back together. I liked it. Okay. 4.5 out of 5 for me, for sure. Okay. Shout out to the Fantastic Four for having oh. a good issue. Mm-hmm. Um, next up on the list, Captain Marvel number 46 from Kelly Thompson. Oh. And I forgot the artist again. This was um, Javier Pena. That's his name. Yes, Javier Pena. Um, so you know I picked this issue up. Another great issue. Oh, you did? Yeah, because I was under I the impression... I thought you didn't have to, though. I thought you were like... See what happened when you don't listen to me? <sighs> <laughs> I thought you didn't have to. I, I see that, that going to be doing brood things, but, like, separately. I really thought that, like, they were pinning this as a crossover. So I was like, oh, we got, I got to read, like everything because something's gonna happen you thought the x-men line was gonna be that organized i don't know come on i guess i'm (laughs) turn it on 
I guess that's my year. But I did pick this up, and I did read it, and it was well uh, well written, and it was nice to see the X Men like having some fun moments. I thought the little scene with Gambit and Lorna Hazmat and Laura, and he's like start speaking in French, and she's like, "Do y'all even know what he's talking about half the time?" And they're like, "No." But we just keep it moving. And it's like, yeah. Let them say it. <laughs> keep it going. So I thought that was fun. Um, the art was really nice also. It was a good issue. <laughs> Look at you being very nice about a Captain Marvel issue. Yeah. Um, great art for a solo female character. Um, not everybody has that. Great writing for a solo female character, too. Not everybody can say that. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that this was a great issue. <laughs> ah, you know. I did. You know, we got to see both teams, Captain Marvel and I think it was Captain Marvel, Spider-Woman, and Psylocke. They're going to go rescue Binary while Gambit, uh, Polaris, and Wolverine. Oh, and Hazmat. They were going to go rescue Rogue. And when we see the both sides like fighting their uh, brooms and mm-hmm. using their powers, really cool. I loved um, Polaris and Laura. They really like have a thing now, I guess, where they they're a cute little duo. Yeah, their little five spot special is fun. Yeah, they're they're nice. I like together. Laura. I like Wolverine. I don't think I go that far, but I do like their little friendship they got. It's cute. But yeah, another fantastic issue of Captain Marvel. I've been really enjoying this brood saga that they've been going through. I'm really, now that you've read it and you've heard me talk about this before, you see, don't you think Binary probably going to die? No. Really? No. I didn't get die. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not well-versed enough in it, but I got like, save her have an emotional moment but like i feel like she's gonna kind of stay her own person she might get like a power down i think she would be too powerful you don't need carol anyway. don't come combine i don't know but again that whole concept of like how she created binary and like the power going outside of her but then like she still has her powers phoenix. it's all the phoenix force was there and it was also it messes everything up the phoenix was involved so yeah it's just i'm still kind of confused about how all that works so i guess maybe that could be like some of the reason why I feel the way I do. Hazmat had a fun moment at the she end. She did. You know? She's a mutant, isn't she? I do not know. <laughs> I won't lie to you. I don't know. <laughs> I just know she has these radiation powers. I, I feel like know. I feel like when she was introduced in Avengers Academy, that was like the thing. She was a mutant, and that's when her powers activated. But I couldn't remember if, oh, like... Wait, I think it was, like, a... Did they say she thought she was a mutant? So, and that's she what I was about sure. to say. I was like, I can't recall... I might have to go back and look at it, but I can't recall if they were saying, like, she thought she was a mutant, but she was, like, a mutate, or she actually mm-hmm. was a mutant. Or she just thought she was a mutant, and then, like, nobody ever questioned it. Which... Right. Could be a real thing. Who knows? We saw it happen with Wanda. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. <laughs> um, but, yeah. It was, it was well-written. Yes. It's good for... Um, Good for Captain Marvel. Everybody doesn't have it. What would you rate the issue since you read, since yeah. you read it? I would give it a four out of five. I think it was. Oh. I think Kelly Thompson does great character work. I think the like monologuing felt very true to the character. The art was really great. It's nice to see the X Men like fighting, <laughs> acting like the X Men. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? The X Men. Well, that's not fair because year two. It's taking it, which we're going to talk about. Let's go ahead and switch over gears to X-Men number 19, the year two team, who are also in space fighting the brood, um, which is a part of this, like, quote-unquote crossover between Captain Marvel. Here we got, last issue, we got a distress call from Corsair about, you know, the brood and how they had been attacking. We saw he was pregnant. Scott leads his team up to go and find him. Gene and Magic go off to go and find Brood because the last time they knew of, the little boy Brood that was introduced in Aaron's Avengers run was the king of them. So Gene puts out this, like, giant psychic ping. She's like, hey, has anybody heard from him? Can anybody find him? It's Emma, Quanan, and the Cuckoos. They all say no, which was, like, also interesting because, Gene, you can't sense that Quan's on the same planet as you right now or something? Whatever. 
But wouldn't they not be on the same planet? Quantum should be on the brood planet. Ain't that where this is? Where what? I don't think so. I believe this is the same planet. And that's why, like, Corsair was there, so they had to come and get him. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. Is it? I didn't read X-Men. From this outer rim world. That's what they call it. I was just assuming it's the same planet. Because Wilds is like the brood just everywhere, I guess. But they could just be everywhere. They are high. They're whore. That's what they do. But nonetheless, they go to this place. While all of this is going on, Forge has Monet. They've got on these Krakoan suits. And they're talking to Prodigy and Sage. And he's talking about how him and Cable at time went back and placed the gate on Nowhere. And Nowhere got sucked into a black hole. But the gate that is attached to in Krakoa is still active. So he wants to take Monet and they want to go explore and see what's going on. They go through it. There's like a lot of science, sci-fi kind of portal stuff going on. They're seeing visions of other things. They see like some lady on a giant rock. They see Forge with the woman. Well, excuse me, Forge sees Forge with the woman. Monet sees the lady on the giant rock. Once they get to the end of it, they end up on what seems like a spaceship. And they see some bodies on the floor, see that they themselves obviously freak out. There's some weird time paradox type of situation going on. Look out, they see they might be in another universe because this nowhere head looks different from the one that I've seen in 616. Um, Back on the planet, the team has run into Corsair. He is pregnant with the brood. And so Sink and Laura do a little psychic surgery on him, um, holding him together telekinetically. I'm sorry, Laura now going by Talon, which I don't know how I feel about that name. But we'll get into that. Um, They're able to get it out and save the day, kind of get back to the rest of the team. Iceman and Firestar have been, like, going crazy on the brood. She talks about how she's always been told to hold back with her powers. But here with the X-Men, she gets to let loose and really set things on fire, which I thought, again, is a nice little thing of her story arc that she's had, coming to terms with her mutancy and, like, being a little bit more confident in her abilities. Talon does reveal to the team about Sink's downfall of his powers, about how he's aging rapidly. Also, I had another quick question about this. Gene and Magic, when they teleport, you because you read this, right? No. Uh, I thought you were going to read it because it's a crossover. I knew it wasn't a crossover, so I didn't want to read it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew that. No. <laughs> you were supposed to read it because it's a crossover. That's why I read Captain Marvel. Anyways, when... We won at the end. <laughs> when Gene and Magic went off to go and look for Brew, they teleported away. I was under the impression they were on the same planet still, just like in a different space looking for Brew. When Cyclops and his team, or uh, Sink and Talon, come out with Corsair, he's like trying to contact Gene, but he's like, oh, she's out of range. And I was like, hold on. That don't make sense. She just did this huge psychic ping a couple pages before where she's, like, talking to people clearly. Like, now she out of range with Cyclops, so, like, that kind of, like, pisses me off a little bit, but not really. Um, That's what I mean about the organization. Like... I think that was just... I don't know. I can, I'm actually not going to make an excuse for that. I don't, <laughs> it was just, like, it just didn't make any sense. It was very noticeable to me. Um, and then that happened. Uh, they do not find Brew, of course. The issue ends with the Forge and Monet aspect in them in nowhere. And so um, we'll just kind of like see what happens. I don't know the next part of this crossover. Hmm. Didn't Vulcan and uh, Black Bolt fall through like a rip in space and maybe when they fought on nowhere? I remember it. Yes, that guy, they like fell into something. But I thought that was resolved in his issues in X-Men. Oh, I, I guess that kind of is, yeah. I was trying to see if there was a connection there. I don't know where, what they need to be on Nowhere for. Um, I think it's just going to be like a little fun science quest. I will say I do think the science aspect of this with Forge and Monet was a lot more exciting than the Brood stuff. The Brood stuff was like fun, fine, but it was kind of generic action hero sci-fi movie. It was alien. You know what I'm saying? Like they go, they yeah. try pregnant Corsair, they're getting it out, and they're getting out. Um, the Nowhere stuff with Forge is really cool. Forge brings the heat. So I'm kind of interested to see where that goes, but only slightly. I think year two is still taking it. This is probably like one of my least favorite issues of the run so far, but still in the rest of the team, man. Who's the rest of the team? Web Havoc. He left. He quit in Dark Web. He went with Maddie. Mm, 
So the girls, but they be trying to come back though. <laughs> There's one thing about Maddie, she gonna try to come back. So yeah, so yeah, he quit, and so now the team is Cyclops, Jean, Saint, Talon, Magic, Firestar, Iceman, Forge. Yeah, that's the X Men. Okay. And then year three is coming. We'll see what happens at the gala. Mm, see about a shakeup. I think Juggernaut won. I think so too. He's very Juggernaut popular. or Jubilee. It's either the yeah. Juggernaut bitch or the Yellow Jacket. One of them. Yeah. Taking it. We'll yeah. Both are very popular. But those were the books of the week. All right, y'all. And like I said last week, we will be taking a break in the AR Club and we'll be coming back in March. But let us know what you guys want to read. Got some suggestions of Young Avengers Volume 1 to get some stuff on there because, you know, most of those characters are starting to appear in the MCU. Um, There was also um, Avengers Arena, which is like, you know, March Madness, kind of a tournament thing. See if we can do that. So let us know which ones you guys want to read. But let's take a break and then we'll come right back. All right, everybody, welcome back for another relaunch. Um, this week we will be pausing the relaunches because we will be doing another review as we have gone to see Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. Quantumania. Yes. I don't know why I was having so much trouble saying that the other day. I was like, Quanta what? But here we are. It's a fun. It's a fun name. Um. Okay, so I'm just gonna go ahead and just go through the plot of this movie. And obviously, y'all, spoilers ahead. Don't listen if you haven't seen the movie yet. We're going to dive deep into the spoilers. So I'm going to go through the plot, pull over if you want to stop and talk about something. And, you know, I'll, I'll take some breaks, too. But let's get into it. So uh, during her days of entrapment in the quantum realm, Jenna Van Dyne had encountered Kang, who was just an exile, who claimed that they both can escape the realm if he helps build his multiverse of power core. And they managed to repair it. Jenna sees a vision of him destroying and conquering worlds in which she turns on him. Outmatched, Janet uses her pin particles to enlarge his core beyond use, straining them further in the realm. Now, we have seen this, like, kind of throughout the movie. I thought that this, like, was pretty good whenever they were together. Um, <clears throat> Jonathan Majors yeah, and Michelle Pfeiffer, I thought, were pretty good, a really great duo. If I walked away from anything with the, from this movie, it was that Jonathan Majors and Michelle Pfeiffer need to make more films together. Undeniable yeah. chemistry. Great stuff. Yeah, some really great acting that they brought in there. Um, Kang was clearing, like King. Kang. As soon as he showed up. Um, okay, in the present day, after the Battle of Earth, Scott Lang has become a successful a memoirist, and he's been living with his girlfriend Hope Van Dyne and her pixie cut. Um, that was a pixie cut. I don't know what that was. That was a chop. <laughs> it was definitely a chop. Um, Lang's now teenage daughter, Cassie, has become an activist. She's been in jail. Um, they have this like cute little moments of her getting out of jail. She shrunk a police car. Uh, they get out, take them, take her back home because like she gets away with doing that, I guess. <laughs> but whatever. They said they're technically all kind of criminals, so right. Um, but. Janet, I'm sorry, Hope was like doing all this philanthropy stuff and whatever. They all end up taking her, Cassie, out of jail, go back home. Cassie reveals that she has been working on a device that can make contact with the quantum realm, like a send a signal, a signal comes back. Janet freaks out. She's like, don't do this. We can't, we can't do this. But of course, disaster happens. They all get sucked into the quantum realm and then separated. I thought that this was an interesting scene because it showed that Hope wasn't doing anything. (laughs) I will say. Like, during this entire scene, they're sitting in this room. Cassie's talking about, oh, my God, I made this thing because I'm, like, a kid genius. Look at me. I can make this thing that goes into the quantum room and send the signal, send the back. The entire time, 
Hope is just like watching the people like a tennis match and reacting to them making these weird ass faces and they would zoom into her and she'd just be like <laughs> Um Her screaming she, mom. Cause she don't be down, she don't she be in the office working on her philanthropy or paper. <laughs> so she you know already what? know what's going on. This movie was called Ant-Man and the Wasp, but kudos to you, Marvel, because you didn't tell us which wasp. I was about to say, yeah. they gave you a wasp. It just wasn't what you thought it was going to be. <laughs> okay. We get, and Jan- they actually made the right choice with the wasp they did give us. Absolutely, um, because Janet was far better in this movie than, than Hope. Um, so they all get sucked into the quantum realm. Uh, Lang and Cassie are found by some natives who are rebelling against their ruler. While Hope, Janet, and Pim are exploring this like crawling city trying to get answers. Um, how did you feel about like everything up to that point? I was fine. I think I okay. enjoyed it. I was like, I was in for it. I was like, okay, I see what we're doing. We got like some weird sci-fi, lost world, getting into some stuff. It seems kind of cool. Um, I, I'll, I'll wait to say that later. You can continue. Okay, Hope, Janet, and um, Hank, all meet up with Lord Krylar, a former ally of Janice, who reveals that things have changed since she's left. He is now working for Kang, who is the ruler of that entire realm. The three are forced to flee. They steal their ship. Hope, like, is shooting these stuff. This is, like, probably her only action scene kind of in this movie. Um, well, no, she did some liar. You're going to be tagging her the whole time. I guess. <laughs> I'm not going to let me lay off her. I mean, let go me for it. Cassie's next. Yeah, she's on the chopping block next. Um, but they learn that Kang is another husband to become the ruler of this. They steal a ship, try to leave. They've got this like weird um, controls, mm. control things, whatever that thing is going on there. And um, <clears throat> the Langs, however, are told by rebel leaders Dentora that Janet's involvement with Kang is responsible for all this uprising. Like, she did something. And Janet's, like, this, like, known name. Everyone's like, you know Janet? Yeah, <laughs> oh, it's like, God, Janet, you know Janet, Janet. It's like, it, girl. <laughs> I know that's right. <laughs> it was wild. Like, you know, Janet was the girl. <laughs> um, the rebels soon come under attack by Kang's forces, consisting of Modok. We see Modok come up. It was a little blast that was kind of fun. And we I learned that Modoc was Darren, who was the yellow jacket from the first movie. I'm sorry, I hated that. Now, instead of, you know, using the uh, Tarleton character that I know from the comics, this was just <laughs> Darren, the yellow jacket made into Modoc. I don't know why I don't think like my like villain favorite character. <laughs> All I flashed back was to Taskmaster. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, you can't win. Um, yeah, and they keep making them one and done. I do, yeah, but I, but that was also the thing I thought for him. You know, we know how he is. We'll talk about that later. But I was like, is this something they just kind of did to finish off the Darren story and like let us know where he went, and then we'll still get another version of Modok, um, or was this just? I it? think this is it. Oh, that's that's. That's sad. We, I, I feel like with Taskmaster, we may or may they haven't really said if, if they recast that Taskmaster that's going to be in Thunderbolts or not. But with with Modok, I mean, they could technically do they could do whatever they want. But, but you know, I don't know. For some reason, I get the feeling this was just a one and done gag. And the reason I feel that way, we'll get there in a second. Let's meet up with the Langs. So um, the Langs are taken to Kang, who demand that Lang. Ant-Man, help get his power core back, or else he will kill Cassie. Lang is taken to the core, to the core's location, shrinks down. He is nearly drowned in a sea of his own variants. I thought this was actually kind of fun. The one that worked at uh, <laughs> Dunkin' Donuts, Baskin Robbins, um, was fun. I'm not going to lie, this was cute. Um, I didn't think that as up until this point that we had too much of the standard MCU humor. However, I think we got too much of that Rick and Morty humor. And the reason I say that is because this was written by one of the Rick and Morty writers. Um, The MCU recently, anyway, has really tapped into those Rick and Morty writers. I know that um, She-Hulk was written by the uh, Rick and Morty writer. I think um, 
Wasn't that my other movie? I can't think of what it was. But there's a third one that was also done by a Rick and Morty writer. And you can kind of really tell that in this. All those characters that they meet up with, with from, from the guy with the telepathic mind to like that thing with the holes, that was all like Rick and Morty characters. All those people looked like those people you would see at the dinner with. Especially the whole holes bit and like constantly talking about the various holes. I can definitely see that Rick and Morty. Very Rick and Morty. And that again also why I felt like Modoc was in this movie. He's a Rick and Morty character to people who like that version of Modoc and not him as like, you know, this Well, I don't know, because I didn't like part of AIM. I didn't like this version of Modoc either. And, I, and again, I do think that Rick and Morty humor came through a lot with him and his scenes with Cassie and like the whole point of like, oh, you're being a dick, stop being a dick, all that, all, which like horrible line delivery, that little girl cannot act. And it sucks that the majority of her dialogue was literally just dad. And then and all of a sudden- And it was still bad. It was bad. It was dad, dad, dad. Just <laughs> it was really bad. Just, it was really bad. And then all of a sudden she turned into Katniss Everdeen and she's given like this speech. And then she telling people not to be a dick. It was just like, I don't ever want to see Cassie again, ever. Throw her in the bin with Layla and Sylvie. Well, Layla don't got to be down there. Let's relax. Mm-hmm. She's I like her. Going. I'd mm-hmm. like her. Cassie could go, though. I'm sorry, y'all. I did not see it for her in this. Um, I mean, I was never really that big of a fan of her in the comics, but that can always change in the movies. And but I don't know, she was so annoying in this, and the acting was not very good. Especially when all you're saying is dad. And why did they give her that wig? Why not just let her wear her real hair? I don't know. It was some weird choices that they made with her. It just, the whole thing, I wasn't into it. Yeah, not at all. I could have done without Cassie, but whatever. They're building to the Young Avengers, I guess. We'll see if that ever gets here. Um, so, he's nearly, uh, Ant-Man is nearly drowned by all his sea of variants. However, Hope arrives just in time, and they acquire, help acquire the power core. However, Kang, Captures Janet, destroys her ship with Pym on it. Freaking out. I thought this was going to be the end, but. I did. I definitely thought he was dead right there. I was like, ooh, that's good. But he's getting spicy. Yeah, he's <laughs> <laughs> um, after being rescued by his aunts, who were also pulled into the quantum realm, rapidly evolved and became hyper intelligent, Pym helps Lang and Hope as they make their way to Kang. Still imprisoned, Cassie rescues Ventura, and they commence an uprising against Kang and his army. During the fight, Cassie appeals to Modox and convinces him to not be a dick. Of course, he ends up dying, though, because he fights Kang. Janet fixes the power core, and they jump through a portal home, but Kang tries to attack Ant-Man. I thought this was a really fun action scene. I was like, ooh, get him. Yeah, okay. this was really good. The intense yeah. Jonathan Majors, I don't want to say that for go ahead, keep going. This was a good Yeah, answer. he he was just really delivering it in all of this. I mean, he kind of carried this movie on his back, if we're gonna be all the way honest. Like, Him and Michelle, like they were working. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Loved it. Yeah, I really enjoyed hanging a lot in this. Um, but they had this whole fight, try to, you know, make their way into that portal so that Kang can kind of jump through, of course become Kang, and then wants to go back. Doesn't happen. He ends up shrinking him down into the quantum realm, and the, like he kind of folds in on himself. Um, and he gets pulled into the oblivion. Cassie reopens the portal. Lane comes through, and Hope and him return. Everyone returns to a happy life. However, Ant Man starts having a crisis. Like, wait a minute. What if that didn't feel Kang? Like, what if that just set him all off? Because Kang told him, like, if I, like got out of here, I'm going to conquer. And if I don't, something worse is going to happen. He's like, you know, what if I just made everything worse? But then he's like, eh, forget it. Like, <laughs> he could, He's a villain. Her. Villains lie. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so overall, I thought that the movie was, I didn't think it was nearly as terrible as the critics were making it seem, or as a lot of the Rotten Tomatoes scores seem. However, I didn't think it was like, mind-blowing amazing like... um, i agree i think it was pretty middle of the road and mediocre overall i do think there were some really strong aspects <clears throat> again anything with jonathan majors and michelle pfeiffer like all of the kang janet scenes 
were amazing. And like seeing them up on the screen, like just, I feel like the intensity of their acting, the color play that plays, like everything with them in the realm and just building it and how they talk. You could tell Jonathan Majors is like putting so much into this Kang role and he is having a lot of fun with it. And it's just good. It was like, you feel it, love that. I think anything with Cassie and Scott was really weak. Again, like the Cassie actress just didn't really move me that much. And I will say, I really did like the ants bit when they like came back and saved Hank and then they found out that they had built their own civilization then they were the oh, thing. I that hated happened. that. Really? I liked it. He's Ant-Man. No, that was such like a so convenient. It was like too it was too convenient. I mean, how else were they gonna be? He man? was like, Oh my god, they pulled through it. So I obviously we saw them kind of fall through. But then he was like and then they were so smart and they built this entire society for yeah. themselves. And also cast and stuff. Like relax. That's what, but that's what his ants have been doing. Like that's what he's letting you know. Like I do that he's been doing these type of things with ants forever. And so to see them like, okay, yeah. It was a proud dad moment. I don't know. I liked it. And then, like, he was walking up with him. I was like, this is Ant-Man. No, thank you. It was like <laughs> a cool callback to when Kang was talking about, you know, like, I'm the conqueror. You you talk to ants. Yeah. Guess what? Guess who's here? And it make you love a horde. What? I do love a horde for the for the heroes to fight. So they fighting the ants? They couldn't. You seen how many it was? And it's like real because if there's something like imagine look at the ants when you see them on the street. Imagine if they got really big and smart like that. That's how it would be. I don't really think about ants. So <laughs> neither they can to them though. and look at them. And see. And that's the that's the and that's the beauty of the scene. I'm sorry. I'm here for the ants. I like them. I could do without. Um, <laughs> but we what I did what I could go with was the after credit scene well the first mid credit scene anyway. mm-hmm. and um, various uh, a number of variants of Kang into the room and we see Amortis and Ramatut as well as the I think his name is a Scarlet Centurion I gotta look that up because why didn't they have him? He definitely was not Scarlet in the <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> he was like in a silver costume, but uh, I'm almost positive one of Kane's like variants is the. Boom! I know my stuff. It is the Scarlet Centurion. Okay. So I don't know why they gave him a silver costume, but that's who that was supposed to be. Okay. Um, <laughs> it was Ramata Amortis and the uh, Scarlet Centurion. And they're all different variants of Kang. Now, I got hyped for this because a few reasons. One, this just really showed everybody that Kang has to be black because you thought they were going to put some white man in an Egyptian costume? They could, <laughs> but no. Uh, they could have. They, they might have. <laughs> they could have, but no. But also, um, Ramatut Kang is one of the Fantastic Four's villains. Um, they, when they were trapped in time, they end up fighting him. Um, which also makes me think that I don't know, y'all. I think we are getting a little bit closer to some mutants coming around. Because if we do this whole Rama Tut thing, when Kang went back into the, the past to become Rama Tut, he was going to take Apocalypse to become his heir. My father. <laughs> so I, if they if they start to hint at that, that would be really really cool to see. Um, and of course, when the Fantastic Four were like stranded back in time, they fought him. I don't know. I think if this also if this movie is like an example of what we're gonna be getting from the Fantastic Four, that's not. That's not. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. The director of the Fantastic Four is the uh, showrunner of WandaVision. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well. Good luck to everyone. Sounds like a hit to me. <laughs> I, I don't know. The girls kind of dragged WandaVision when it was out. I remember those tweets. The North, everybody else might not remember, but the North remembers. They what they want to now, but we will all remember what everyone was talking about. You know, what is grief but love everlasting? Yes, that one line that everyone remembers. <laughs> so, ooh, that when one they line get... got them to the Emmys. <laughs> 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 um, so boom. 
But yeah, God. anyway, yes, we see, and then we also end up seeing like the a council of Kangs, which is interesting because we see those in the comics. So this is really kind of cool to see. Um, and they're all like freaking out. They're I like, love- you know. This the council of the king thing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I just and like for real, you could tell he's having fun with it. Every king felt different. Everyone yes. was even like all the, even like the squirrel king who was like up in there, like they Everyone all felt different. With different emotion and like just excitement. I was just like, yeah, he is absolutely about to body the hell out of this role. And I'm so excited for everything he's about to do. I was like, yeah, I'm I'm here. A black king. I'm on his I side. Think, I don't like, know. That's so wild. <laughs> I, don't I, know. Think, I, I think I like, you know, I'm just realizing that I may have inadvertently won with this one because Kang to me has always been the one villain who I never like count my whole I don't like time travel thing with him. That's Kang. So I've kind you of to like, I don't necessarily, I don't know. I think I've kind of come to a realization that I, don't mind time travel stories. I like a time paradox type of situation that happens. I don't need someone just like traveling back to the 50s just to be stuck there. Like, are we going for a purpose? Are we doing something with reason? Um, I like a lot of characters with time related powers also, I've come to realize. Tempo, Slay, <clears throat> Kang. I don't, think time, I don't think Kang is dope. I don't think time, I don't know. For me, I don't like time travel stories because of the like redundancy that we get with them, and a lot of times they end up just being trapped in that time. Mm-hmm. It, I don't mind time travel when it's treated like a thing, and Kang treats it like a thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it is time is this thing that he can visit and control. It's just yeah, a, it's just a thing, rather rather than a plot device. I which is I, which I agree. Which is I guess maybe part of the reason why I like the characters who have time powers because it's like they're just treating time as a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. I was really into this. I'm really into everything with Kang, Council of Kangs, getting into it with him. Um, obviously, we know we're going to see some more of him pretty soon. Uh, I'm excited for it all. He's going to win in Kang Dynasty, that's for sure. So it'll be oh absolutely yeah. Um, but, yeah. And then and that happens in the story. We should read that. We should probably reread that as it gets closer to the movie or something. We should add that. And then we also had the second post-credit scene, which was a scene from the second season of Loki. Yes, and it looks like they were looking at, um, which I thought was a really cool kind of Easter eggy thing. Well, another one of Kang's variants is named, um, oh, Victor Timely. And Timely Comics is what Marvel used to be like originally before they became Marvel Comics. So I think that's kind of a cool nod to get Kang. Yeah. But we see that in this after credit scene that Loki is in the audience in like, I don't know what era that is. Slavery. You know, it's crazy when he first when he first popped up and he was like talking. I was like, is he supposed to be Frederick Douglass? <laughs> <laughs> they gave him a Frederick Douglass wig. So <laughs> like, I was like, that's supposed to be like the time frame we're in. Is that what we're doing? So maybe. Maybe. I mean, it says that he is in the 1920s. So I guess that seems right. Whatever. But either way, he is Victor Timely. He looks like he's like, oh my gosh, that's Kang. So we'll see more stuff in Loki season two. To watch Loki season two. Shout out to Jonathan Majors getting his check. I know that's right. <laughs> and it's like every, I think everyone, no matter how you felt about this movie, I think everyone's kind of walking out like he cleared it. Mm-hmm. Like if there's nothing else, you enjoyed watching him on screen. And like again, him and Janet Michelle Pfeiffer, really great scenes. I actually think anything kind of surrounding, even though she's she didn't do too much else, but like anything surrounding Hope, Janet, and Hank was really well done. Like just the bonding of their family, even in when she was in the ship explaining to them and how they interacted with each other. When Hope was trying to get her to talk about uh, the quantum verse and she just like wouldn't do it. And the quantum realm, excuse me, and all that. She just was like, no. And then how she confronted her about it. I thought all of that stuff was really good. It was really just kind of the Scott Cassie stuff that took me down. Yeah. Yeah. You, do you think Ant-Man's done? now 
as a solo movie, yeah. I think he'll get like his guest appearances at other places though. That'll still be consistent. But his franchise is done. Yeah, I just I don't I I don't I don't think it needs to do it. I don't what else you gonna do? I don't know. Y'all tell us. <laughs> what else would you wanna do with that man? Unless they kinda always go back to like, like heist movies or like the stealing and make him do stuff with that. I can maybe see that. But again, I just kind of feel like the excitement for Ant-Man movies has never really like been super high. Mm-hmm. I feel like his movies just came out at a time it was like we knew everybody was getting their guaranteed uh, trilogy, so it was like you know you're gonna get your third one for him. But I feel like he can kind of be put in this place of either like guest starring and other stuff, special. You want to see Hope again? Mm-mm. Or can? <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Um, if you, I mean if anyone does. Cool. She probably will show up in Young Avengers, probably. Yeah, she she grew in this. Hopefully she gets some That's more dialogue. Because the dad wasn't working. And also, I think the whole, like, uh, planet, the group of people that they wanted us to, like, really care about, it just didn't really resonate. Yeah. I did like care. the aspect of the ooze that made everyone understand each other, though. I thought that was cool. I thought, like, from some sci-fi aspects, there were some really great things. When they first got down into the quantum realm and they were, like, falling and going through all of that was cool. When they were going to, like, find Scott and Cassie and they were riding on that, what was it, the Stingray flying monster thing? thing. I thought that was really well designed and I thought that when they were flying through the different parts of the land, that was cool, too. So there were some really good, like, moments in there as of that. And I think it's a movie that, I I was about to say that, (laughs) I'd maybe put it one in the background as I'm like doing stuff. Yeah, I do that. Okay. Okay. I'm folding clothes. I know like when I want to take a quick break, I can see his scenes, him and Janet have a good time. Cassie and Scott come back up. I'll get back to folding. So. They had to have known like they needed to get an actor like Jonathan Majors to be Kang since they were going to use him so much in this. Obviously, because the, the character Kang is time, obviously they're going to use him a bunch. The charisma, the strength. Mm-hmm. Ah, a man. man. <laughs> <laughs> Truly a man, a Kang. <laughs> um, overall, what would you rate this movie? Honestly, I'd give this movie... Like a six point five out of ten. Like I really didn't think it was that bad. I had a good time. Okay. I I I'd give it I'd give it a five point five. Okay. I, I think the parts that I enjoyed I did enjoy a lot. Kanga Janet. I think. That let I mean, final not that too far off from the critics there. <laughs> <laughs> I think that final fight scene between Kang and Ant Man was like really well done. Um, again, like it just showed like the power of Kang and how he is really terrifying. Um, I think the overall just kind of like line of story was a little uh, yeah five point five was really why I give it. The parts I like, I like. Love that first post-credit scene. I love that. Clearly. I hope we get to see more of him and Robert Hutt. Yeah, that was good. That was good costuming. Ah, he's going to be good. They should, like, give him a spinoff. Whatever he wants to do. I'm going to watch it. That's my respect. Hank, he never really leaves. We know that. He just kind of goes away for a little bit and then comes back. Well, all right, y'all, that brings us to the end of the show. Please make sure you guys rate and subscribe us wherever you get your podcast. We really appreciate all the support. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Another Relaunch. You can email us at anotherrelaunch at gmail.com. You can find us on YouTube at Another Relaunch TV if you want to watch. You can find me on most social media platforms at UncannyLZ. Keenan, where can they find you? You guys know you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Keenan Lance. As always, there's an underscore. All right, y'all, let's get up out of here, and we'll catch y'all next week.